there, honey child. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. I'm your other host, Angel. And we are the hot masses who host this twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Speak for yourself. I'm a cool mess, oh, baby. Okay. I'm a lukewarm mess at I'm this moment. I'm so cool. Yeah, you are cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> but a mess nonetheless. Oh, yeah. The mess is not to be uh, argued with. Well, we are recording this literally in the thick of the Aries new moon solar eclipse. Make it stop or make it speed up. But it's not a full eclipse, correct? No, it's an eclipse. Oh, shit. I mean, it's like a it's like a partial eclipse, but it's- well, that's what I meant. We're not seeing it like in the sky if I look up at the sun directly. Well, if you lived in Australia, you would. Oh, my God. Well, send us pictures, everyone down the, down under. Yeah. I know. I was about to say down below. I'd love to see it. I feel like you're baiting me to use my Australian accent, and I'm not going to do it. I am not. You know what is shocking to me? What? Is that you didn't really use your accent when we hung out with our new friends from New Zealand. I know. Jackie Brown and Tom. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess we were just like so in love with each other that it didn't, it just didn't happen. Shout outs to you both. Shout outs to both of you. What a magical day that was. It really was a magical day. And it all was right. Like... Well, next time we get together, I'm going to use my accents oh. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully it'll happen down below. <laughs> <laughs> down under. <laughs> Let's introduce ourselves. Oh, hi. Hi. I'm Angel Lopez. Indeed. I am an Aries soul. Allegedly. With a cancer heart and a Taurus face. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Bullish, <laughs> stubborn, mm-hmm. stocky, mm. solid build. Mm. <laughs> I'm a writer. I am a film producer. have a movie coming out later this year. And I am also an astrologer and a teacher of many things metaphysics. And I'm your husband. Truth. Now it's your turn. I'm Brandon Alter. I am a spiritual healer. I am an astrologer and a tarot reader. I am an Aquarius sun, Capricorn moon, Aries face. Although we did get a little Chinese astrology reading from mm-hmm. our spirit talk guest, Mimi Young. And we actually thought that in lieu of a check-in, because the truth is, y'all, we are just struggling to keep our heads above water. We are navigating some pretty serious grief over the loss of Noche. I sprained my ankle. Angel's dealing with a back injury. So instead of checking in, because who wants to hear about all that? We are just going to play you. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? Oh, I just said it all anyway. Yeah, you're, you're like, like, who wants to hear all that? And then I, then I Maybe the it. people want to know. Maybe they want to hear about what tomfoolery you were engaging in when you twisted your precious little foot. Well, they'll have to sign up for the Patreon. We don't have a Patreon, honey. Well, then you'll have to, I don't know, buy me a drink sometime. Get a cameo? I'll, I'll tell you. The- <laughs> if you buy a cameo, yeah, everyone, spiritual gaze. We're on cam. We're not on cameo, but I just thought that it would be funny if people paid 
Listen, last week I was doing the second week of this six-week, three-year training program with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. It was magnificent and incredible. And on the second to last day, I was in an unfamiliar woods. I had lost myself on the trail and I rolled my ankle and then had to walk back about a mile on my rolled ankle. Ten years ago, I broke my ankle on a beach in Mexico And when I went to the urgent care, the next day, they took an x-ray, they saw the old break, they diagnosed me as a new break, and then gave me crutches and a boot, and I came back to the house after not seeing Angel for a week, and I collapsed into a puddle of tears on a large, oversized brown armchair. (laughs) Several days later, we discovered that my foot was not broken, it was just sprained, and the crutches were unceremoniously taken away i was given a small little brace and told to walk gingerly and get some physical therapy and so that's that's where i am but the performance of brandon on the fainting couch is immortalized in my brain forever that's so rude (laughs) this is one of the saddest moments of my life i know but but you know i was so glad that you were fine yeah agreed that you are healing up and we all kind of new as like the next 24 hours happened as you started to get more messages from people yeah who were looking at the x-ray on yeah shout out to the medical professionals who looked at the (laughs) x-ray on my instagram and were like this looks like an old break to me yeah it helped arm you with that information going into your doctor's appointment well because i did a whole detective routine where i hunted down the doctor and the x-rays from 10 years ago in order to compare to the current break well and what's amazing is that the doctor you ended up getting to see on our pilgrimage to san diego uh, medical pilgrimage our medical pilgrimage to san diego that we took this week um it was actually one of the it was the doctor uh, who saw it on instagram right no, she got the text. Oh, she got a text. Yeah, she was sent it to because my friend Liz, image. who is a nurse, sent it to this doctor because she's a friend. And literally looking at a photo taken of an x-ray sent right. via text, she was able to say, like, that looks old to me. So wild. I know. So we're grateful. We're glad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, interesting. Yeah, we're both dealing with old injuries mm-hmm. that um, came back around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my back stuff that I had decades ago mm-hmm. has come back around as we prepare for this mercury retrograde as we prepare for this mercury retrograde here exactly. it comes around again heart <laughs> beats fast my head is spinning i miss that rupaul song well it's there forever on spotify i know i'm gonna go listen to it right after this okay great okay so we weren't gonna do a check-in and then here we are we just checked in but we're still gonna play you this little four minute clip of after our spirit talk when mimi gave us just like a little reading with our chinese astrology because it's pretty funny and we thought you would appreciate it um would you like we never ever like i mean i know we're not recording anymore but you said you don't know your birth time angel but do you know the approximate time oh oh, no i do know my birth time Oh, I just okay. haven't looked up my, I just have never looked it up in Chinese astrology, but my birth time uh, is 7.51 a.m. Okay, so you're rising dragon. Oh, <laughs> double dragon over here. Well, no, I'm a snake. Oh, right, snake dragon. Yeah, that, and that's, then you have... that's amazing. That's an amazing combo. The The course will talk about why, but um, yeah, like that's, yeah. Can you do like, me? Yeah, 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 yeah. What's, I would love to do you, but... I think it's I think it's eight eleven or it's eight oh nine. I always forget. I AM or PM. AM. AM. So that makes you um a so hold on here. 
Yeah, it would be dragging. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 Oh. So so essentially, oh. it's seven a.m. <laughs> to 8.59 a.m. is dragon. Oh, okay. Like that. So, And since both of you are within that window. We're both dragons. Yeah, so rat and dragon. <laughs> How does that bode yeah. for <laughs> yeah. It seems like it explains a lot to dragon risings over here. Yeah, so, I mean, Brandon, like you are meant to be entrepreneurial. Like it's like you, yeah, you're, you're meant to start waves and, and like you, you're very future, very future oriented. Wow. I mean, um, you're literally speaking to my Aquarius sun, my Capricorn moon. That's right? This is what I'm that's saying. Like it's such a fuller picture. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then Angel, you you move a little slower, but then when mm -hmm. you're fast, you're very fast. Yes, that is very yeah. true. That's actually you're, very true. Wow. Yeah, you're, you're a deep, deep thinker. You ask a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> you might not admit this, but deep down you think you're smarter than other people. <laughs> Ooh. I only admit that to myself. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? Those with snakes kind of are. I mean, I say that because I also have a rising snake. We can't help it. We can't help it. We have strong observational skills, people with snake. Um, yeah. yeah. I always feel like I am a little smarter than everyone, but I may not be as articulate as some of the dumber people around me. I feel the same way. I, okay. I might not be as tuned in with like, what are the buzzwords, right? Like right. all those sorts of things, like where I'm like, hey, I, I meant to say this, but someone stole my line because they used like words that hold more of a charge. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I, I think like, yeah, this, yeah, the, the two of you have very, very fun combos. Thank you. That's helpful. Should we, is there anything that just, so I swear we're not trying to steal free reading. Um, oh, no. Is there good. anything as to dragons, risings living together that we should have <laughs> in our home to help harness that? Mm, mm, well, or, okay, so, or, so, or tone it down, whatever. Right. So if you want to look at the, from an elemental perspective, like I'm just reading the notes that I wrote here. Um, so both of you have dragon presence, which means there's wood. And then snake is um, native element is fire. And then rats native element is water. Mm. So what's missing here is earth and metal. So mm. it means that the two of you need to communicate better, set better boundaries with each other and with yourselves better. So the, that's really key. Um, and a lot of somatic stuff, lots of in the body stuff. Mm, um, okay. Yeah, maybe improve organization um, and like making sure that the two of you agree wherever you put this is exactly where it stays. Like you might be like, oh my God, you moved my whatever. It's like that, that probably happens. Okay, but, I didn't yeah. ask to be this read for very Phil. affirming. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We should just call this uh, podcast Double Dragon. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, so you'll get to know Mimi a whole lot more a little bit later when you get the entire spirit talk. She is magnificent, but let's dive into some astrology biz and give you all this episode's cosmic, cosmic update. Okay. So, 
this tourist season. You better beware. Okay, I'm sorry. You just, you know, you sing a little bit of Let Loose and you gotta sing the whole thing. No, you don't. So this tourist season is essentially sponsored by Mercury Retrograde. Uh, <laughs> yeah, most of uh, the tourist season has uh, Mercury stationed retrograde throughout it. Uh, the Mercury retrograde kicks in exactly on April 21st. So it's pretty much the day, I believe it's like, isn't that the day this podcast is coming out? So when you hear this, Mercury will have <laughs> already moved into its retrograde place. And it's going to retrograde at 15 degrees Taurus and then move back to 5 degrees. So anyone who has 5 to 15 degrees Taurus or 5 to 15 degrees, pretty much of any sign will be feeling this particularly in some way. But as we all know, retrograde is a slow down energy. It wants us all to take our time to really reassess, to reconsider, reorganize. But I like that this year, the retrogrades are all happening in earth signs. Do you? Well, I like it because I think it is an opportunity to just kind of like pause and like, like ground ourselves. Is it? Yeah. Because there has been so much like chaotic Gemini, Aries energy uh, that has been going on. We haven't really had a lot of grounding energy and Pluto has shifted into Aquarius. So even that like Pluto Capricorn transit that we had moved on. I mean, we have had some Taurus business yeah, but Uranus and Taurus is not particularly grounded. Exactly, exactly. So it does feel to me like these retrogrades are a time to really kind of slow down, get out of the brain, get into the body, get into the physical, you know, reconnect to nature, reconnect to your own like natural rhythms. And you know what I'm thinking is that Venus is currently in Gemini. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long she's going to be there. Uh, she's going to be there until May 7th. So for that whole time, Mercury and Venus are in mutual reception with exactly. each other. Meaning that they're in the sign of each other's domicile. Yeah. So that is actually useful for grounding. And maybe those ideas or the chaos can can find some soil to root into. Yeah. Goddess knows I could use it. <laughs> and, you know, I know that there's been a lot of conversation around like new beginnings energy. We've had these double Aries new moons. Um, we did have the Mars shift into Cancer. And I do really think like there were a lot of endings and beginnings i know that we have certainly been feeling that energy more endings than beginnings but i do think that's part partially it right is that you have to like have the death to have the rebirth exactly and i think that's also a part of this taurus right it's like oh now we can Mm. actually like see the new beginning blossom so true and i'm curious to see what happens with the uh scorpio full moon because we are in eclipse season Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah we sure are but on may 5th we get a scorpio full moon and we all know that scorpio is a sign of great transformation you know of really great shift and it is shifting at like a deep soul emotion level so i think that that could be a real opportunity where we see 
the real great shifts that we need to be making for ourselves in our lives actually begin to happen. Is Mars in Cancer during that full moon? Uh, during that full moon, uh, yes. Well, that's great. Because mm-hmm. then Mars and the moon will be in mutual reception. Oh, yeah. So that makes that Scorpio full moon a little less scary. Right. Yeah, it feels like there's like real opportunity for like growth through transformation as opposed to like shitstorm through transformation. I don't know. I want to like idealize to some degree. Um, maybe I'm still just feeling like these ending degrees of uh, Jupiter's move through Aries and this like, yes, spring forward, let's move. But, you know, we'll then see uh, Jupiter shift into Taurus where it'll be for the rest of the year um, later on this Taurus season. Well, thank you for all of that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Eclipse season is always a very intense time. It is definitely coupled with the Mercury retrograde. I mean, just know that, yeah, if you're feeling a little wackadoo, if you feel like everyone else is a little wackadoo, like do your best to just like stay calm in all of the situations that yeah, and come up. Like look down at like your feet when you're like walking and just like make sure you know where your next step is. Yeah. But I really feel like do what you can to like connect to earth, connect to nature. Like when you have some free time, unless you literally work with the earth, like do what you can to be really present with it. Um, Even if you do work with the earth. Yeah, I know, right? Get more present with it. But I do think like uh, hopefully where you are, you're seeing a really like beautiful spring bloom. Um, I know we're definitely getting that here in Southern California. Um, So it makes it a little easier to just like connect directly. Even when I just walk outside, I'm just like spotting flowers and, you know, feeling the breeze like a little more directly and it's um definitely like calming me well your taurus rising loves it my little Ferdinand the bull (laughs) it does i'll just get on all fours and smell a flower oh it's beautiful Mm -hmm. speaking of smelling flowers and new beginnings we have a retreat that is scheduled for june 23rd through the 25th yes and it is a New Beginnings style retreat that's all about reconnecting to joy and giving yourself the opportunity to expand your capacity for joy because shit's been tough. And so we wanted to have a retreat that's certainly about healing, but really it's about healing what stands in the way of experiencing joy in your life. So this property is perfect for a spiritual summer camp for adults, which is basically how we're thinking of it. <laughs> it's tucked into the mountains of Altadena, There's a beautiful pool, a lot of great outdoor space, and we're going to be using all of our modalities, astrology and tarot, and particularly working with spirits of nature for divination and for healing because the property where the retreat is happening just has an abundance of that. So if you are interested, we encourage you to register ASAP because we are going to stop with 15 participants, and that is it, and we already have people signed up. So uh, you can find all the information about that on our website. And the good thing about it being, um, you know, in the outskirts of Los Angeles is that there are lots and lots and lots of housing options for you based on your budget. There are hotels and Airbnbs and um, transportation should be easier because you're in a large metropolis. Exactly. But please feel free to reach out to us with any questions you have in regards to 
uh, schedule or housing, we can do our best to help you. We hope to see you there. All right. Well, I think we should dive in to a beautiful conversation with Mimi Young, who is an animus spirit medium. And that's all I'm going to say about that, because you're about to get all the tea in this episode's Spirit Talk. All right, gazers, we are here in the spirit room with Mimi Young, and we are so excited to draw her out in conversation. Uh, Mimi is an animist spirit medium, and we are really looking forward to discussing with her everything that that entails, and also hopefully getting a little taste of Chinese astrology, because that's also part of her practice, and it's nothing Angel and I have anywhere with all around. But we are just so excited to have you here. So thank you, Mimi, and welcome. Thank you so much, Brandon and Angel, for having me. So first and foremost, where in the world are you, Mimi? I'm on Musqueam land, otherwise known as uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. The surrounding areas also include the indigenous uh, nations of Squamish and Tsleil-Waututh. Got it. And is it spring up there yet, or are you still making your way out of winter? Yeah, I think it depends on the day. <laughs> it feels pretty wintry today. Um, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but it's it's five degrees today Celsius. Um, so yeah, I'm wearing a few layers. I have some wool on. Yeah. Um, I wore yeah I wore a toque, and I know you're gonna you know bug me and tease me for even using that word um, toque. You know, as I drop my my younger child off to school. Um, but yeah, it feels a bit cold today. What is a toque? Oh, it's a beanie. Oh, I don't even know that word. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great word. I'm going to start using it. Oh, thank you. Not that I wear a lot of toques, but every once in a while you I do. do. You rock a toque. <laughs> <laughs> you can rock a toque, Luke. <laughs> so Mimi, we like to start all of our spirit talks just with like an understanding of your origins. You know, how did you become a, you know, a spirit? spiritual person sort of working in the world yeah I never really set out thinking that that's what I was going to do um my undergrad is <laughs> in design and you know I did quite a bit of work um in in, in you know as, as as a creative um but I would say that if you know if I can kind of go back to my my, my younger days I grew up in a home where traditional Chinese values, particularly Taoist rooted Chinese values were embedded in everything. So from us eating seasonally and making sure that we were drinking the right soups and taking in the right herbs that corresponding to the season to um, the idea that things are alive around you. uh, The fact that, when one passes on that there's still a possibility of being able to continue conversations with these loved ones. So I would say that that was sort of the foundation of it all. Um, I also began experiencing something called clarofactants, mm. uh, primarily from kind of late, later teen, early uh, adulthood onwards. So clarofactants is being able to smell psychically um you're only the second person i've ever met that has that gift 
Yeah, it's super cool. Um, and you know, like in in many ways, it's like I like a little bit of a tangent. I remember I was really quite like intimidated by it for for some time. And when I finally decided, yeah, I'm I'm going to embrace this. I go to my neighborhood metaphysical bookstore, and I'm like, hey do you have a book on psychic smelling? And they just looked at me like <laughs> I was crazy. And that's when you're like, if you go to a store like that and they look at you like you're completely wild. Yeah. Um, that's when I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> what am I going to do about it now? Yeah. How did you know you had like psychic smelling? Well, I would smell things that weren't physically in the room and I would be that person that's going sniffing hey hey do you smell that do you, do, do you smell that and everyone would just stare at me like yeah like I once again was a bit nuts um and just and to then, follow this tangent a little more because yeah. I'm so fascinated how does how do the smells communicate to you what is the language of smell so in like your does that make sense that question yeah yeah so I would say um for listeners that are uh, maybe a little bit more well-versed with magic and spell work, um, it would be very associative or, you know, correspondence-based, so like like sympathetic magic. And with smells, it's like there's certain patterns and consistencies that I began to form, and it was a language that I had to make meaning of on my own, where if I smell a very specific scent, it would mean this, mm. or if I smelt a very specific scent in another way, it mm. may either be warning me, or it could be a presence of a spirit, or it could be confirmation that what I'm doing is the right thing and like that, that sort of thing. How amazing. Okay. So back to the middle <laughs> of your origin story. <laughs> right. So um, yeah, and then I, I attended church for for a while because my my mother uh, stepped away from uh, Buddhism and uh, you know started attending you know evangelical Christian church, and so I was exposed to a lot of the uh, mythology, methodology, belief systems, and it wasn't until after my first child was born when I realized that I wanted a different way to. Uh, raise my child and I want to go back to the way um, like to, to my roots and yeah. so it was there and it was you know at the same time I was experiencing like an off the charts psychic experiences from the psychic smelling was like it was occurring all the time to uh, pre you know precognitive dreams to omens to hearing things that quote-unquote are not supposed to talk talking um, and yeah so it was just like all these things were were pushing me to go there and yet i think to a certain degree i was still in denial or a little afraid you know i thought that maybe i was you know like dancing with the devil that mm -hmm. sort of thing um as, as taught by church and then it was actually when i was pregnant with my second child and um it, I, I had i had a few miscarriages between the first uh, pregnancy and and the pregnancy of my second and uh, there's some complications to like just my medical history and so when I was pregnant with my second um, I experienced some some further complications that required me to be on bed rest for over five months wow. and that was when I um, by by accident I'm saying this with air quotes here 
uh, by accident, I went on my first core shamanic journey. Mm, I met wow. my my spirit guides, and it was just like like so many things that um, were left unsaid were finally said. Um, there was some forecasting that involved that came to fruition, and it it spooked the hell out of me in the best way. And that was when I was like, I guess I'm doing this. Mm. Um, but even then it wasn't necessarily like a career move. It was just like this huge portal had opened. Um, and yeah, I haven't turned back. Wow. Interesting that that second pregnancy gave birth to your child, but also to this whole shamanic <laughs> path for yourself. Absolutely. And there was just like so many things that were reinforced. Like I understood at that point, like what the, what the scents were in a, in a more kind of full circle sense and then why things um, that quote unquote are not supposed to talk um, were it just completely suspended all the rules that I was taught, all the, all the shoulds, all the shouldn'ts, all the, I don't know, all the, all the inherited beliefs, just yeah. like everything was, was completely open for redefinition. So then what was it like for you to make the, you know, the choice to pursue this as a career path? I mean, we obviously have done that and we understand that it can be a kind of a strange, challenging experience. We always say it's like our second coming out, you know, being queer over here. We're like, you know, okay, we have to come out again as like spiritual workers, you know, <laughs> like what was that process like for you? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I totally resonate when you say it's coming out because I always call it like, you know, coming out of the broom's closet as a witch, like just, <laughs> totally. just right? Yeah. Like it's like, and also with my family history and it was just kind of like, what am I going to do? How do I say it? I, I think in some ways it was a bit fortunate because it was gradual. So at that point in time, um, you know, the, the family business that I had run for about six years, a little over six years, um, was sold and I was at this like carte blanche kind of situation where I, I could decide did I want to uh, go back into the workforce, take on, you know, creative contract work or whatever it is that that sort of, you know, came my way um, or do something different. And I wound up doing both. I wound up and, you know, and I, and I actually think for me, it was the right move because I had, the financial stability of having a quote unquote muggle job, <laughs> muggle, you know, referencing Harry Potter. But then I also had the space to start experimenting and exploring. Um, yeah. So I would love to talk to you about working with spirits. And I think the way I'd like to begin is just by defining for our listeners what core shamanism is, because it's a term that I'm familiar with. And I appreciate hearing you say it, and I'm curious how you would just start to talk about what is core shamanism as compared to other shamanic practices. Right. I would say core shamanism would be embodying the, uh, not so much the regional or unique practices, you know, bound to, to, to region or uh, lineage, but more like what are the overarching practices um, with shamanism? So one example, like, or if not, overarching practices maybe like the overarching qualities so like sure. one quality would be it's animistic another one would be there is some form of uh transformation from your uh current consciousness or state of mind to one that's 
uh, different. I, I, you know, I don't really necessarily even think the word heightened is the right word because it doesn't necessarily, heightened doesn't like sometimes maybe it implies like better. Um, it's just like, it's just a different mode of thought and, some traditions you're taking a plant medicine some traditions you do it through breath work or dance or chanting or you know there's you know, the, the, that's where uh, regionalized shamanism comes in but core it's like no matter what you, you engage in some type of shift on a conscious level and um and when you have reached that state of shift uh, it opens you up to be able to perceive reality in a much more broader way where you can engage with more than human uh, intelligence and, um, and, and, you know, have, have, have conversation, build kinship, uh, receive divinatory wisdom, and then you bring it back to this reality, um, oftentimes to serve people. It's meant to be uh, one to to help the collective, um, one that's rooted in justice, one that's rooted in collaboration, and kind of the greater common good. Mm, so beautifully said, Mimi. So when you were on bed rest, and you had that first journey, was it a journey that happened? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Was it spontaneous? Or was it something that you had some understanding around and you intentionally took that journey i'm just trying to understand that first portal for you yeah um so obviously i did not take a plant medicine i was pregnant <laughs> <laughs> we won't judge we, yeah. don't know. No. we won't assume um and it was it was accidental in the sense that i did not know i was going there um and um the the other component was i was practicing uh deep meditation um, mm. and, and it was just sort of this you know like for most of us being on bed rest for such an extended period of time it like for me it was very destabilizing you would think that it was very stabilizing because I literally was just lying in bed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was destabilizing because so much of my identity was wrapped up around what I do and all of a sudden I wasn't doing I wasn't doing what I do anymore yeah. um and even the definition of doing had also been completely suspended and also needed a bit of redefinition. Yeah. So finally, you know, I, after struggling and really resisting being on bed rest for some time, I then thought, okay, well, I have been wanting to return to my meditative practice. I've been putting it off. I guess this is my chance. And so by then I was engaged in meditation on a daily basis and oftentimes sustained, but it wasn't like, I, I, I wasn't necessarily adding breath work. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing the things it, it was, there was no intention to go there. And yet I found myself spirit traveling. Wow. And I think that's actually really useful because people can get kind of caught up on the how, like, how am I supposed to shift my consciousness? But I do think that if you can just still your mind, even without the drums or the rattles or the plant medicine or the breath work, with a strong enough intention and a relationship to stillness, you can access um, these other worlds. And now when you do your, your spirit work, do you have a particular um, mode or a couple of modes of, of driving yourself there? Yeah, like I'll rattle, I'll drum. And yet uh, it doesn't mean I require it every time. 
sometimes you're probably gonna laugh sometimes house music will get me there like honestly oh, like totally right like it's like it's like the beat and I think it's because it it it, it kind of takes us to this data state and there's the entrainment of the beat you know Berlin style techno is also really good yeah. <laughs> I mean they call it trance right? music for a reason that's yes, right like it's like but you know I like that at home. I don't necessarily like, I mean, I wouldn't go to a music festival and be like, I'm going to start spirit traveling. Like, right. Like right. it's like, yeah. the, the, that's not really for Seems me. It's a little not, dangerous. It's just not a supportive <laughs> environment. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, the energy there. You're like, I don't want to go home with all of this energy. Yeah. I've never thought about playing house music during a client session. I wonder what that would be Ooh, like. Can yeah, I haven't imagine? had that either. Yeah. yeah. One more thing I can add to the mix is plant medicine. Um, but it's not what perhaps listeners would expect because it's not psychotropic in any way. Um, it's tea, Chinese teas. Oh, wow. But it's working with your lineage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's more, it's very subtle. Um, but I'm sure, you know, you know, this, it's like any type of spirit work relies on subtlety. Oh yeah. I am not one for the psychotropics actually. When I was younger and I was less spiritually connected, I was <laughs> psychotropin all the time. But ever since I've been working with spirits, I remember we ate mushrooms a couple of years ago and I thought, oh, like I've been working with spirits. Like I have allies and relationships in the invisible world. Like doing mushrooms is going to be amazing. And I did mushrooms and I was out to sea. I was totally unmoored, you know? Yeah. And, and it was because in my mind, in my understanding, like the spirit of the mushroom had possessed me. So I wasn't really mm. able to engage with any of my other allies. I was just there kind of at the whim of, of mushroom spirit who was benevolent, but it was like, it was more than I really think I'd been <laughs> for. And yeah. so since then I've been like, you know what, I think I'm becoming more sensitive and more open and, and for me, less is more. Totally. For me, it's like, I, yeah, I definitely resonate with that less is more statement. Um, and I think the one of the benefits of less is more is literally that is that you don't require all these tools, all these, all this gear, all this stuff to sustain your practice. Um, and in theory, you could engage with spirits in the car when you're doing laundry, when you're going to the grocery store. And I have to say, like, those are places where they have spoken with me. And and also, even just departing from the natural world, like I, I, I don't know about you two, but like, I, I have digital spirit allies, like it's, it's not just like, you know, the the earth itself, which absolutely, I, I, you know, revere the earth, but it's there's this like much grander reality that we can all relate with. Speak more about mm -hmm. that. Because I, I mean, full disclosure, the spirit of technology is one that I will engage with, especially because we do so much of our work via technology. But that's kind of it in terms of uh, non-Earth-based spirits. So I'm curious what you've discovered. Well, they are just as interested in collaborating with us as land-based spirits. And of course, as with all spirit work, it requires discernment and boundaries and, you know, like all the usual stuff. Um, and you can take, you know, spirit work, you can take magic over to that realm, such as you can build digital altars. For instance, my wallpaper on my phone functions as an altar space to mm. be able to really just, you know, like work that way. 
I, I mean, I still have it and I'm sure, you know, everyone in this kind of space is experiencing this, but all those copycat imposter accounts on IG, for instance, yeah. uh-huh. um, I wound up engaging in a spell with um, a, uh, an individual who's in my coven. I, I hold space for a coven. Um, and so this other witch uh, wound up casting a spell of protection um, and, essentially asking the spirit allies uh, on the digital realm to help minimize and protect um, imposters. And you know what? I've, I've noticed a palpable difference. Wow. You are literally blowing my mind right now. Mm -hmm. I've never (laughs) thought to ask like, who are the spirits in the digital realm that would be willing to assist me in my work in that? I just, I've never even thought of it. That's so amazing. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's so tangible now, right? The digital yeah. you know, medium. So that makes sense, right? Because it is all just like connecting to some something that has like a tangibility to it. I mean, uh, we are kind of cyborgy, don't you find? Like if you leave your phone at home and you get into a car and go somewhere else, I don't know. I feel I'm kind of like something something's missing. Like some yeah. part of me for some reason is missing that day. Um, yeah, I would say by definition, that means I, that we are cyborgs. Yeah, we are functionally cyborgian, even though I am always wrestling with myself to try to like, put it down, you know, I know. to use it less. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think, you know, if our ancestors even 100 years ago, were present for how we are living, they would be like, Oh, yeah, y'all are like, technologically intertwined. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have I have two more questions for you around this particular subject and they're and they're big questions, but I'm curious one, how you learned to work with spirits and two, what you would offer to people who are listening that are interested in working with spirits. I would say from a very a surface level, like all the books that are available to you, to me, to them, and I've, I've read a lot of them. And 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 to say that like I mean, it's not to say they didn't offer value, they did. But what really taught me was going back to my old memories where my, uh, my, you know, the memories with my family um, and also just existing practices that still exist within my family. um, Those were the ones that really helped me reconnect to what works and what's more efficacious in spirit communication, in spirit collaboration, um, in mediumship, in divination, like I'm going to kind of go on and on. Um, And so what I would say to listeners is learn with teachers, leaders, healers that resonate. It could be through a book, it could be through a series, it could be through whatever. But ultimately, you have to go back to your blood. I think that's really powerful. And, And so many of us are very disconnected from knowing what that is. And I found that it was like, in my experience, and I think Angel can probably speak similarly to this like starting to explore like what was true for like my ancient hebrew ancestors like Mm -hmm. what herbs would they use what practices would they use like calling in the spirits in hebrew even though i don't speak it like these are things that are that subtle but very important way in for me yeah and learning just for myself like my specific like Puerto Rican ancestors or Mexican ancestors and like what they were doing and trying my best to integrate those practices in, well, first really learning about them and then integrating them into myself as best I can has been, yeah, something that has has really driven me forward for sure. 
And I feel like when you do start to open yourself up to these practices and <laughs> come out of the broom closet, you do find that there is some like direct connection, right? I mean, for you, obviously, you had like a very direct connection to your to your youth that you were then able to to connect to. But I feel like everyone on some level can kind of start to dig a little and realize like, oh, I wasn't the first in mm -hmm. my family path here, you know, or in this lineage, even if I came from like a very traditional religious background, somebody was back there playing with tinctures and herbs and doing things for the community, it seems, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To further this idea of going back to blood and, and both of you had kind of outlined, it's like just, you know, maybe there's specific holidays or maybe there's specific herbs. Um, I find that food is a really great way to access ancestry because it's like it's the thing that institutionalized religion hasn't killed mm. you know it, it it's it's still around um and so even if someone's like yeah i don't i feel a bit cut off from my roots there's still food so i mean i teach this in my mystery mentorship series um where we access magic and ancestry through food and then i talk a bit about kitchen magic and then from there you can really take off yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I eat that old Jew food and I feel very connected and comfortable yeah, in that way. And especially right? when I'm like not at my best, like if I'm sick or depressed, it's like there's those foods that ordinarily like aren't really part of my taste buds, but I like reach for them and they they nourish me in, in ways that are kind of, I can't really articulate. So I never thought about it that way. Yeah. The way I see it is because we are literally the products of our ancestor in, in flesh, when we are feeding ourselves with the food that they also ate, we're essentially feeding them. Like mm. there's this retroactive enchantment that's taking place. I love yeah. that. Well, and that's the whole idea too, right? Of like when you create altars for your ancestors, like I know, especially in like Latin culture, like putting food there. Yeah. I think it's in a lot of cultures, right? Mm -hmm. Where you like just put food there that represents something. It's that that's like a real genuine heartfelt offering. I would also like to shout out Retroactive Enchantment as a great indie band name or just, um, I'm, I'm very into that phrase, Retroactive yes. Enchantment. Oh my gosh, I can't take credit for that. That's actually, um, I think it was coined by Peter Harrell. So he um, was quite, uh, uh, he, he was, it was a key player in Chaos Magic and he's mm. written a number of works. Um, and I mean, his specific approach to retro active enchantments a bit different than mine but yeah it would be such a great like maybe punk band right oh definitely <laughs> <punk>. yeah yeah <laughs> or ambient new wave oh yeah it could be could be yeah yeah you know they're like opening for new order on their, <laughs> yeah totally their tour <laughs> well i loved hearing too that you said you you know hold space uh with a coven um you know you are very much a, a self-described witch it seems um I'm curious, what is your mentality relationship to like the massification of the term witch? <laughs> How you feel well, about all of it? You asked the right person. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got so many thoughts. I feel like we need a dedicated episode on this. Um, I think in some ways it's been very positive. I feel that it's um, emboldened people who didn't think that they would 
you know, have that opportunity to explore uh, magic in a way that is true for them, or even just be like, it's, we talked about this coming out of the witch's closet um, or broom's closet. It's just like, it, it gave people a chance to engage with a voice that's part of them that maybe they had either dismissed or had um, created sort of a boundary around. It's like the secret thing. And then yet, I do feel that there's a lot of like mick magic out there, you know, like there's a lot of like, like low calorie or not even low calorie. It's just like, like white carb magic, you know, that yeah, doesn't yeah. really give you a lot of nutrients. And it's very commodified. It's all about the gear. Once again, it's all about, you know, like what kind of like what exactly does your altar look like where actually it doesn't matter what it looks like it's what how it feels right like it's like mm -hmm. it's you really want to talk about altars and how functional they can be it's yeah where it's like I just feel that it could potentially and it has definitely in some circles been very shallow and um and to a certain degree exploitive exploitive of cultures exploitive of lineage and yet, I feel that because it has reached that mass quality, that people also see that more and more people are seeing that and they are desiring to be in communities, magical communities of substance with teachers, with leaders that know what they're doing and can, you know, like they, there's, there's actual meat to what they say and who will defend uh, the marginalized and, you know, like do the right thing. Um, at least I'm finding that in, in my community, I definitely draw, uh, like I, I find that my, my community, like everyone's so intelligent, deep, deep, like thinkers, critical thinkers, people who have so much to contribute. Oh, and one more thing with the massification of which is the, the issue with that is it isolates witches. It's saying it's we're kind of like bringing hustle culture into witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And it's like actually real witchcraft is about relationship. It's about knowing yourself. I actually just shared about this on IG not too long ago. Witchcraft is actually a form of intimacy ultimately because it's it's the intimate workings of yourself and your energy with other energies. So it's like it's it's incredibly romantic and beautiful and yet i don't think the common person has been given that message but i do think that people are craving more yeah i'm feeling so much about everything you just said and i love this idea of witchcraft or any real spiritual practice as as being centered around intimacy like i know that with my my spirits like those are the most intimate relationships that i have and you have to be vulnerable. And so much of like the massification of which is about like performative, look how badass I am, look how gorgeous my <laughs> spiritual tools are. It goes against the real heart of what the practice is. Totally. And that's hard because the ways in which we're like communicating and we're connecting are, you know, social media, these ways are very visual. And it's and it's hard to be vulnerable or and then there's also like the performative vulnerability. Yes. You know, which is also just as <laughs> yes. just as far from the truth too, you know? 
Totally. We were just like talking about this last night about yeah. what were you saying about it? Well, I was just saying, I feel like there is particularly in like the wellness world, a lot of this like very performative vulnerability and sensitivity, you know, this like need to translate this feeling of deep understanding, but it, it actually ultimately just feels kind of isolating in a way, similar to what you were saying. Like yeah. they're speaking about these like deep feelings yet it almost feels like if you're not feeling what they're feeling or, or, you know, or aren't relating to them, then you aren't really getting it. And I always totally. find that that's very frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do find that in the, in like some situations, there's almost like you can kind of see where cancel culture appears in witchcraft communities, right? Like it's mm -hmm. like, wow, it's a real inability to discuss nuance and embrace differences. Totally. And I have had the experience recently with people that like I followed on Instagram for a really long time and all of a sudden I like have started to see like their transphobia or their homophobia and I'm like oh you've just been assuming a pose because I genuinely believe that not lack of discernment but lack of judgment is so integral to like any strong spiritual practice like everyone's going to do it in their own way and and we can't judge ourselves even and how we connect to our spirituality but for years I've been fooled and it's because mm -hmm. people are really good at assuming a pose Mm -hmm. something we're always you know right. checking ourselves about that's why it's nice there's two of us because we can check each other and be like well that's some posing <laughs> back there <laughs> yeah because sometimes the most powerful practice is the least interesting to look at right i i agree i agree it's like the daily stuff that definitely doesn't look glamorous it's no. the you know it's the doing the dishes right totally. like like that part is so integral yeah and nobody wants to see you doing the spiritual dishes no, I don't. I like, I mean, it's like, and I agree with you. Like there's moments where I'm like, I, I don't feel like I have anything like to say because it's like, well, like no one wants to see that on IG or, you know, and it's just like, yeah. Um. All right. Well, I want to switch gears because I promised Chinese astrology to the listeners, but really I promised <laughs> it to myself. Right. <laughs> so without feeling like you have to like teach us a class, would you just give us a, uh, just like a fundamental understanding of, of Chinese astrology and- And how you work with And how, it. yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, okay. So in many ways, Chinese astrology is, is rooted in animism. Let, let's start there. Love it. Um, it's rooted in animism and much like Western or Vedic, there is the integral part uh, with elements. Now, the elements that Chinese astrology works with are the five elements. Um, in Mandarin, it's called the Wu Xing. And from there, they discuss how the cosmos is generated and how the cosmos degenerates. Like, so from, from the five elements, that's sort of how it happens. And then from there, uh, certain animals are associated with certain elements certain animals are associated with certain qualities based on those elements there's also the layering of the yin and the yang which form the very base of how these elements are expressed so all five elements have either uh, a predominant yin aspect or a predominant yang aspect but they also all elements have both within. By looking at uh, the day of your birth, the year of your birth, the time of your birth, and time is not as 
for the most part, not as precise, like it doesn't have to be as precise as let's say um, a Vedic chart. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, they're actually within hours. So like specific hours are, are governed by specific animals. Um, mm-hmm. So from there, you can then determine your lunar sign as well as your rising animal sign, as well as your predominant elements. Um, it's pretty fun. What I like about Chinese astrology is that you wind up getting to know your allies in general. You get to know your elemental allies, you get to know your animal allies, um, and then you also understand what generates you and what degenerates you. Hmm. So you can learn how to play to your strengths. And I, I love playing to my strengths. It's so much more fun. Don't, don't, don't you find them? Like, you know, like I, I feel like so much, at least like in school, it's like, you know, it's all about being the well-rounded student, right? It's all about like, if you're, if this area you excel at your, your after school time is to buffer what you don't excel at, which is like not really fun at all. (laughs) (laughs) But imagine if you're really good at this one thing that you get to specialize in that one thing. And then you can invite collaboration with people who have different strengths at Mm -hmm. different things. And then you can kind of just all be really amazing together. I mean, that's how I relate with Chinese astrology. Um, You know, it's all outline areas that will be naturally um, either uninteresting for the person or just simply an area of a deficiency if you want to use that word yeah and then and we'll focus a lot on strengths which is so nice right because a lot of times i feel like people believe they have a strength but they don't entirely validate themselves in it and so to have something that particularly like calls out strengths i think can help validate those for people you know like they might feel like, oh, I have an interest in music, but I just don't, you know, see a real path forward there. But if that's validated for them as a strength in their world, it then I think helps compel them to want to like, you know, further that practice or make it a priority or or realize that maybe they're not silly to think that that's something that they could or should be doing. Totally. It's so affirming when they can embrace themselves. And, and that's the other thing, like I, I do offer a, a, a style of reading, like I, I do, I offer a few different types of readings, but one of them is the five element zodiac readings. And I talk a lot about what your inherent needs are, and capacity. Um, because I think a lot of times people think that there's one definition of success or one definition of a fulfilled life. And it's like, well, actually, there are 12 different animals and five different elements. So when you play all that together, there are multiple ways to live a fulfilling, thriving life. There's multiple ways to fulfill your purpose, multiple ways to honor the fates and to live out that destiny. Wow. When I actually was not aware that there was like, a lunar sign, a rising sign. I mean, I know my, I guess, just like traditional sign and element, but to know that there's even like more, you know, a deeper well of there is really fascinating. I actually just learned in the last few months that the sign I thought I was all this time is actually not the sign what? that I was. You're January baby or early February baby? I'm a February baby. baby yeah. And yeah. I didn't know that the lunar new year changes every year. So my whole life, I thought I was an ox, but it turns out I'm actually a rat because the lunar new year happened 
after my birthday. And right. so I was still in the rat year. Yes. And I just yes, found yes. that out and that blew my mind. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm also born in that kind of cuspy sort of year. I was born on the very, very last day of that year's year of the horse. So it's like if I had been born a day later, I would have been technically be considered um, born in the year of the sheep or ram. Yeah. Wow. And I'm sure you see the like real distinct difference between. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no ram quality in me. Yeah. And I'm sure you do, too, now that you know that, you know, not not you're not maybe as oxy as you thought you were. And you're definitely more of like that quality of the pioneer of, of the rat. Right. Definitely. Yeah. I always struggled with that ox a bit, although I will say the grass is always greener because just aesthetically an ox is a little cuter than a rat. And so as soon as I found <laughs> out that I was a rat, I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know what I had when I had it. <laughs> well, so says you. I love oh it. Just so judgmental. But that was my first. Oh, that's so like, funny. Like, oh. Well, guess rats are super judgy, just so you know. Oh, well, then, honey, <laughs> there I am. Well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Affirmed. OK, yeah. question for you. Yeah. How do the planets correspond to the five elements and the 12 animals? animals or, or how do they factor in? Because it is astrology. Yes. Yes. Okay. So there's different types of astrology within Chinese astrology. Um, my focus is what's called the terrestrial plane astrology. So it's very much working with the elements on earth, but okay. they do, they, they do. So they, they, you know, like you'll, you'll kind of get a sense that like, as you work with them, that, that each of these elements have a distinct quality. So wood is corresponding to, because wood is very much about expansion and growth like obviously jupiter for instance mm. like that kind of thing yeah got it okay and what are just because i'm so curious i'm a curious aquarius over here what are, there's terrestrial and then what are the other branches of yeah of there's another branch called celestial oh. um and yeah that's that's more planetary um that's also where um something called electional astrology so like knowing auspicious mm -hmm. dates or like bad yeah. luck days like that uh -huh. kind of thing um yeah yeah, so it's a whole kind of different division. My focus is terrestrial based. And also I work with the Yijing. So like there is some intertwining. Um, and the Yijing can be interpreted as essentially both. But I'm once again, I'm more earthy. Yeah, more practical. Yeah. Do you because obviously, you know, Western astrology to some degree. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you find that there's resonance between the two systems? Or is there like a core shamanic situation with Western astrology and Chinese astrology? Or do they do, do they seem like they really are two totally different paradigms? Mm, I see. Um, I would say that they're different languages that describe the same thing. Ah. Yeah, it's it's in fact, when you pair the two, you're like, whoa, I, I understand so much more now. It's, it's almost like, I think, I don't know, I'm going to use color theory as a metaphor. So let's say one, like, you know, Vedic Western speaks, I mean, they're very different, but at least what's similar is that they have the same, even though the dates are a little bit different, um, they have the same constellations in mind, right? So they speak in primary colors. Chinese astrology speaks with another set of primary colors and you put them all together and you have all these like beautiful secondary and tertiary colors. So you see fuller. I don't find that they are in conflict with each other. I love that. And for people that are listening, i.e. me, 
uh, <laughs> want to learn more, do you have any resources that you think are a really good place to go just for like the absolute beginner? Yeah. So I have an on-demand uh, two-part course called Chinese Astrology Parts 1 and 2. Um, within that, I discuss the five elements. I discuss the 12 animals. Um, I talk about which animals are in your heart, essentially. Mm. Um, I even go down and discuss, for instance, you know, if you were born beyond just like we, we typically look at birth time as a way to factor your rising. But in addition to that, the birth time can dictate what kind of animal you have, like what sort of personality. So for instance, I'll give, I'll, since because you had shared that you're born in the year of the rat, I'll give you an example. So rats, rodents are generally more active in the evening, which means that if you were born in the evening, there's going to be more like activating qualities that happen in the evening. You're most likely um, are, are more creative in the evening, more resourceful with your ideas in the evening. You like to I'm socialize so in, the evening. Creative in the evening. Yeah. And then, and then same thing, you can say that about daytime, right? Like it's, so there's, there's those sorts of things that that course discusses. Um, and then I have uh, a different um, course altogether that talks about the forecasting of this particular year, the year of the rabbit. And remember, it's like you had said, because the lunar year shifts um, each year, it essentially takes us from September, sorry, from February of this year through to uh, the start of the year of the dragon next year, um, mm -hmm. and which is also February. And this particular year is unusually long for a lunar year. It already feels that way. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's like I, I talk about in the course like why that is the case. It's really meant to be this preparatory year because like dragon years are incredibly uh energy demanding let's let's put it that way Got it. um and then i also offer readings i offer the one-on-one -on -one, uh, five element zodiac readings i also offer shamanic readings were very different because one i journey ahead of time and you know ask the question on behalf of the client and they come back and i share that and additional channeling but the five element zodiac is really looking at the elements really looking at your chart and then we can either, you know, engage in some self-cultivation or if they want to see that in relationship to a partner, to their business, to a child, like let's say if they're a parent, um, then, then yeah, like we can do that with two charts. Amazing. And is someone, if they are born in a certain year, when that year comes back around, is that like a particularly activating year for them? Yeah, so that's called a native year. So oh, okay. when you return to a native year, um, yeah, it can it can be very activating. It can typically provide a real boost in propelling you. Like it's almost, it's like a leapfrogging sort of effect of taking you to further down your path. It's oftentimes a year where you serendipitously meet the right person in terms of a contact or like a thing kind of like lands on your lap but it can also be deep deep struggle years where old residual patterns come back and you're confronted with it again it's sort of like ah uh, this again i thought resolved it oh no you can go deeper mm. all right asking for a friend <laughs> <laughs> are you a dragon i'm not but i'm a snake which i know mm. follows the dragon 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my rising's a snake. Oh, okay. I know. I need to find out what my rising is. Now. Yeah, we'll, we'll be booking to, readings. Yeah, we'll have to <laughs> and get it sorted out. Well, yeah, I want to uh, be aware of our time, but um, I know you offer a lot of readings. I also just want, before um, we end our time with you, I want to just draw you out a little more on your mentorship program too, because it seems like that's a really powerful way people can choose to work with you too. What does that entirely entail? Yeah, so the Mystery Mentorship, at this point, it's a self-study program. There's five modules, and within each module, there's roughly somewhere between 16 to 20 weeks of content um, where you can learn on your own and practice on your own. And if you wish to practice in community, I have a coven to hold space for that, where we're, we're really like living, breathing magic, spirit work every single week. Um, the mystery mentorship is really talking about foundational work with spirit communication, intuition, um, like greater intuition, magic, journey work, we can kind of list, you know, on and on. And, and my website does sort of document it all. Um, but the coven is really what I'm focusing on now, um, where it's very much based on the needs of the group. And it it's it's so it's fun. Like for instance, just yesterday, because we, we meet on Sundays, yesterday we we did like skill development, like spell casting skill development. So it's it's very much rooted in practicality. I do sometimes will guide folks to explore a certain thing. And and if they say, hey, this has come up, like for instance, there there's a couple of weeks ago when we're like, you know, for a few of them, you know, the, the topic of, for instance, job searching came up. So then that kind of became a focus. Um, or an, another time when a few were like, you know, like there, there's been kind of some, some things coming up around finances and just the current economy that we're in, like, and it's just like, once again, like, let's step together where we can co-resource our intuition, co-resource our magic. And once again, like I had said earlier with Chinese astrology, where we can each play to our strengths and not exhaust each other and ourselves, right? Like, because I think going back to the massification of witchcraft is if you layer hustle culture on top of witchcraft, you're going to have a lot of spiritually burnt out people, yeah. right? And like, I'm sure you have seen it too in your circles. We've been it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So homing, like that that's the name of the coven, homing, this idea of we, like, you know, when we think about birds homing, they know where home is instinctively. So it's mm -hmm. like coming home to a place where we can be ourselves, be safe, be fed, and then we can work together. We have, in my opinion, the very best Discord. Um, like we're on Discord, we have all these fun, fun channels where there's like a real mixture of serious discussions and lots of like hilarious witchy memes that circulate. We have a resident homing librarian, not me, someone else, who is like a total book nerd. And I love it because then we can talk to each other and share ideas and have resources together. Like that can be collaborative, truly, truly collaborative. It's amazing. It sounds amazing. Yeah. What a beautiful service and so necessary at this time. Oh my goddess. All right. Well, we will probably just invite you back and we can chat more about all sorts of things, but we want to honor your time and just say thank you so much for just offering of your wisdom to everybody. Would you just tell everybody how they can find you and where they can go to learn about all your offerings and you and all that good stuff? 
Yeah. Um, my website is shop ceremony. Ceremony is spelt with an I E at the end. So imagine ceremony like French, right? So shopceremony.com. Um, and I would say that, yeah, that's definitely the first place to go. There's a lot of resources and all my services on my products. We didn't talk about products. I have skin and aura care that enhances intuition and spirit connective qualities. Wow. Oh, um, wow. But yeah, so they can go there and research and, you know, explore. And I also am on Substack. So it's Substack.com. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Substack.com.shopceremony. And they can, you know, read. Um, it's free. Um, and if they're on IG, they can follow me on Shop Ceremony. Amazing. Awesome. Mimi, I am just so grateful that we got to have this conversation with you and that I just, that I, that I get to know of you now. Um, you have such a power and I mean, it sounds like so pejorative to say like the real deal, but I can just tell that like you are deeply steeped in the work that you do. And it's always an honor to be in exchange with somebody like that. So thank you. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here today. So I got a lot out of that conversation with Mimi, but one of the main things I got out of it, and this seems really basic, but I always struggle with what to call myself. And I've been calling myself a spiritual healer for some time because I work with spirits, but it never quite felt right. So basic. It's so basic. It's so basic. So when Mimi was talking about being an animist spirit medium, I was like, oh, am I an animist spirit healer? I was like, that feels that feels like a truer languaging of what mm -hmm. it is that I do. Do you think I can just like take that? Do you think she'd be mad? No, I mean, you can communicate with her about it i'll ask her permission you should i'm gonna start titling myself a song for the lonely this is a song for the lonely i mean when your Lopez. dreams won't come true and i'm a song for the lonely come listen to me that's like a gorgeous name for like another realm <laughs> Well, that's what I'm offering here. You know, like if you like went to like a radical fairy sanctuary, you'd get like a radical fairy name and your mm -hmm. name would be Song for the Lonely. Yeah. Well, here it is. What would my name be? Uh, Feel free to be as shady as you want. I don't know, actually. I want to ponder it because the ones that just pop into my head felt way too random. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. But it is time for our episode's tarot card. The moment you all wait for. Or perhaps... Fast forward to <laughs> that's so shady. <laughs> Nobody fast forwards through the tarot card poll. If you fast forward through the tarot card poll, no, I said to the tarot card oh, poll. Just yes. come in here for the reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the people that leave yoga before shavasana is over. I love hearing from people who um, catch up on old episodes, and you know how you always say, you know, no matter the time and place when you're hearing this, and that people are really like getting readings that connect with them from episodes we made years ago. Yeah, linear time is a construct and it's not even that convincing of one. No, it's all flat. <laughs> okay, listen, babies, let's dive into this episode's tarot card poll. So just take a moment and you'll connect to the cards by listening into the sound of them being shuffled. If it's safe for you to close your eyes, maybe that's a good invitation for you to do so. And just trusting that this message will resonate 
no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. And I'm actually going to ask Angel to pull it because she's got that pure cancer heart. Me? The King of Pentacles. So the King of Pentacles is you when you take responsibility for controlling the things that you actually have control over. And pentacles are those things that are quantifiable in our life. So our resources, financial, but also time is something that's quantifiable. If you own property or you have employees or even just like your foodstuffs, this is a really good time to get organized. And maybe the Mercury retrograde and the Taurus energy of everything is saying to you, is there a better way to organize the building blocks of your physical reality to support your power in the ordinary world? And it sometimes feels like a lot of work to be the King of Pentacles because you have to be the boss of yourself, but it's also really rewarding because what it reminds us is that we really are the obstacle that stands in the way of those things that we most desire. And if you could get out of your own way and you could assist yourself with some real discipline and dedication and really organization, it's amazing the things that you might be able to achieve. So just spend, until we meet again, this next little bit of time, noticing what things need to be reorganized to support the invisible, to support the spiritual. But don't go there first. Go to the physical. So I'm just thinking for us, we got to reorganize the closets. Yeah. We got to reorganize the spirit room. Yeah, definitely. The spirit room does not feel like new and fresh. It feels stagnant. I'm ready. Yeah. I also need to figure out what I'm doing with my hair. What do you mean? It just needs a new... No, I love it. I love I what's happening with it. Well, I'm going to let it grow, but it needs like a direction. Just let it let it whisper to you its direction. Oh, whisper to me here. So there you go, kitty cats. As always, you can join us monthly for a breathwork, a spirit world circle. Our Astro Club already happened as the release of this podcast, but it was kind of fire. And if you want the recording, you can still purchase that. Maybe we'll see you at the retreat. Otherwise, you know you can find us on Instagram and TikTok, doing our weekly videos, making fools of ourselves, wearing our jewelries. (laughs) And all of that is uh, available for you to find at our website, which is thespiritualgaze, gaze with a Z, dot com. Did I forget anything? Just to say that you love me. Oh, I love you. I love you. <laughs> and we love all of you. We love all of you. We feel you so deeply and we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all of the reaching out that you've done to support us as we are navigating these really hard times. Yeah. But we're going to come out the other side stronger. Cuz what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Until next time. This has been your transit through the spiritual game what doesn't kill you make you stronger stand a little taller doesn't mean i'm lonely when i'm alone this is a song (laughs) for the lonely let loose
you better 